It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Nile or Nine podcast. It is episode 331 on the Nile or Nine podcast. And as Andrea, uh, who joins me this week, uh, has just uh, uh, let slip, she has not listened to last week's podcast because she wasn't on it. <laughs> not, that's not the reason why I haven't listened to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I You're just, like, did we do a podcast? I was like, I did while you were away. Remember? I know, I'm sorry. I know, Swift again. It's in my, it's in my app. Um, it's it's, it's there. I'm it I, I'm really excited to listen to, to it. Actually, I feel saying that. <laughs> so um, right. things, a lot of things are happening. Life moves fast. Life is surely moving fast. Um, yeah. Yes. Hello, everyone. I'm back from my travels. Um, good to see you all again. Mm. How are we doing? How, how are you, Niall? I'm great. I'm great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, as I was telling you before, we got on air there. Uh, my, I've become a local uh, sleuth. Um, local detective. Local Are you detective. talking about it publicly? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm not going to mention any names, but I mean. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the last, so so here's my little story. <laughs> for the last two years. God. Yeah. Uh, for the last two years, I, I moved in with my girlfriend. And for the last two years, shortly after I moved in, my car started being keyed by somebody. And this happened a number of times. Very early on, I was like, this is really annoying. Um, And it was significant. uh, And the damage was significant. And it turns out they were doing it uh, to other cars on the road as well, because we live uh, where we live on the canal here. The uh, cars, not all of us have driveways. And obviously driveways are cost prohibitive. So I have to park my car on the drive, uh, on the the path, always leaving room for wheelchairs and everybody else as well of course but you know basically when i found out this was happening i looked it up and any any stories i found online of of people keying cars it's always an older man 
And I remember tell, telling people that, like, you know, that's what that's what the internet says. And loads of people are just like, oh, it's definitely young people. And mm. Like, I started up a WhatsApp group on my on my road um, because there wasn't one. And he was. Yeah. I was like, well, we should have one on anyway. So let's just do it. At first, I mean, nothing really happened, but more just like people were sharing information, More, mostly me, let's be honest, uh, mostly me <laughs> sharing that this was happening and to keep an eye out. And I got a Google doorbell and that didn't really help because those are battery operated and they go real quickly unless you get a wired one. You can get wired ones, but uh, they don't last in terms of battery. So I wasn't sure when this was happening and then it stopped. Then this keying of the car and the cars on the road stopped until two weeks ago when <gasps> they started again. So I couldn't believe it. I was like, we've gone this. My car is already ruined. Like there's, if you see a picture of it, I have a blue car and it's go, it has like significant like waves of scrapes on the inside and on the outside. Cause once I parked well, it the other don't way. Don't dox yourself too much now. Yeah. What happened was it started happening again. And I was like, what am I going to do? So what I had done before was the very webcam I'm using right now to talk to Andrea, to see into her world. I decided I would use that and put it out the window of the front of the house here and see if I can capture this person. Genius. So I did this before and I I went when it happened late last year. Uh, Actually, it could have been early. It was May 2022. Anyway, any night it happened, I never could catch him, the person that did it. And I was like, I went, it was basically me reviewing hours and hours of footage, hours and hours of footage and going, okay, what's happening? I can't see anyone do anything. So I was like, well, I felt a bit powerless when it started happening again. I was like, what can I do? So I downloaded some software from the internet and this software is like a motion detection software, right? Um, you can set up masks on the screen. So I, st- I did the same thing again. I've moved my my setup here from one side of the room to the other side of the room. So I'm a bit closer technically to the car. So now I pointed outside the window. And you have more room for your chalkboard, your your corkboard with all your strings. Yeah, now I have more room for that. City yeah, and- <laughs> yeah. Because it's happening your, to my neighbours pic- as well. Your picture of, a, of an outline of a man with a question mark in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Red, red, red string everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> The red string in my mind was was being pulled taut in the last mm. couple of weeks because I set up this motion detection stuff. There's a, an app called iSentry, which does it for you. And you can set the, the level of motion detection. All this to say was I was basically keeping an eye out on the car for scrapes. And then when I was noticing a scrape, uh, I would log it and then have a look back at the footage. And I a week and a half ago, I found them. I found them in the video footage. Finally, ladies and gentlemen, we got him. <laughs> we got him. So <laughs> I got I got the footage of him doing it. You can clearly see his his hand keying the car, but he doesn't look at the car. So that's why it was so hard to catch. No him. disdain, disdain. Yeah. So this is a professional. Yeah. So I noticed that there was a pattern of things that he does it on the same day around the same time. And uh, so I put the message into the local WhatsApp group that I'd set up, as well as there's another one nearby, which is a wider group, which was around a housing development that was going to be built, which was refused because of Onboard Panala. And we, a lot of the locals here rejected that. So they, uh, there was a lot of people working together to kind of reject people power, to reject uh, a very high, like 10 story 
apartment block behind people's houses that would have blocked loads of sun, all this kind of stuff. Um, anyway, just today, I got a call from somebody who is in the WhatsApp group who told me the name and address of the person who has been doing <gasps> this. So, And that, that person that is, was... <laughs> It was Damien Rebecca Vardy's. <laughs> I don't know why I said Damien Rice. Damien Rice. I just thought like a, a musician who had a grudge. Damien Rice. <laughs> yeah, that's know. what a couple of people have said in the Discord. All right, it was, a, it uh, was when when yeah. you first told me that this was happening. I was like, "This is the dad of someone whose band you didn't cover." Yeah, uh, even though they sent you loads of tapes um, yeah. to Neither Nine. Dublin, Ireland, or something. Do you know? Like, I, I too thought it was going to be an older person because I think Keen Cards, something quite boomerish about it. It's quite a yeah. boomer crime. I don't think young people do it. They've got, they've got their own crimes. They've got crimes we haven't even thought of yet. But um, crimes, yeah, yeah, crimes. I mean, but, like, it's yeah. so. Yeah, I'm currently deciding what to do about it. Um, I'm but, fascinated by this. Like, I am. I'm really really fascinated by it um but keep us up updated last week he came by and i was i was ready for him and but i wasn't sure if it was him and he didn't do anything so i left it but now mm. with the new inf- armed with this new knowledge um i pretty sure i know it's this f- person so so yeah now to figure out Stay what tuned. to do um basically i'd like him to stop doing it for a start and then also uh it'd be great if he could uh Fix the damage that he Imagine caused. Imagine if but he listens to the we podcast. We will see. God, no. He definitely doesn't listen to this podcast. He doesn't know, listen to any podcast, this man. Anyway, um, that's my that's me and my super sleuthing day of uh, well <laughs> uh, done. at home. So I've, I, I finally, do you know, my dad will be very happy about this because my dad has been very upset about this. Yeah. Um, and I did feel a little bit less helpless when I found out, when I found the video, first mm-hmm. of all. I actually had evidence of somebody doing it. It was like, like some sort of weird car key fairy that was never able to catch. I know, but I think they were obviously getting a kick out of it because they were doing it in a way which um, wasn't obvious. So yeah, mm. and who knows why people do this? But uh, so interesting. yeah, it uh, it has been an interesting process and an interesting road we've been you on. You really so. you you rear windowed it like you were at that I window. Know. I've been curtain twitching for for <laughs> so long now, and it's well, really finally paid off. It's 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 good to hear, and it's good to hear of people power, even if it's just kind of more person power. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know what? It's arriving at the right time because, um, as you as I may have mentioned on this podcast before, myself and my partner are expecting, and uh, we're expecting in the matter of a matter of weeks now. And I was like thinking to expecting myself, expecting a baby last, that is expecting a baby. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Was saying to myself, like, I was like, I don't want to be one of those people who's like has one eye at the window while holding a, a newborn um, because they're trying to catch some. So I just it just it just felt like yeah. one of those stories that could go wrong yeah. where you're like, well, Niall used to be fine, but now he's totally obsessed with this <laughs> car key guy and uh, yeah. he's gone nuts. And you just find yourself um standing in the middle of the road shouting at some man who actually yeah, it is. It isn't. It. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just like. The lack of sleep and everything else that's going on has uh, yeah. upset him greatly. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it could make you paranoid. Yeah, there's a reason why, um, like Bruce Wayne doesn't have children. You know, it's <laughs> too much to be taking on at once, f- yeah. fighting local crime and raising a child. So, 
But I, I have to say, when when you were talking about um, the different software and the cameras and so on, I was like, this person's ready to be a dad. This is <laughs> this is a dad in the making. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is listen. This I've is dad lo- knowledge. I've always loved <laughs> accessing technology. So uh, well. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, it it does feel a little bit like uh, you know cheating system when you figure out a cheap way of of capturing somebody um, or like doing that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, well, that's if not you what have we're a story about, about <laughs> fighting local crime, if you what do you think I should do? Contact me at podcast at nine nine dot com. Get in touch. <laughs> I just. I know where he lives now. I could just stand outside his house and freak him out and point at him. Yeah. <laughs> Put keys in his letterbox. Yeah, for sure. For legal reasons, we are joking. Um, uh, I had an exciting week. I was away yeah. last week. Um, so I wasn't here for the podcast because I was in sunny Huddersfield. I say sunny. Um, Storm Babette was happening. I was there for a dance music conference i was yeah i'm interested in this yeah cool so it was my first conference presentation as a phd student and i was very scared and i presented on some cool dance music feminist collectives in dublin if you're thinking of one right now i probably mentioned them in, in my presentation and yeah it was really cool it was two days there were some really good talks I did I'm so sorry Niall I missed the Italo Disco talk because oh. I had to work I know I had to work on my own presentation but my um, my supervisor Caroline went to it and said it was great so um, I might get in touch with that person and ask and ask them for their slides because I'm I'm very interested to see um, what it was all about but I saw a really good presentation on like the concept of vibes on a dance floor Oh, yeah. uh, that was also a little bit the history of the disco ball, um, like the actual disco ball itself and the oh, disco cool. ball in media and stuff. It was like I was sitting in that one and I was like, Niall would love this. Like it was disco balls. It was really, really great. And then there was a, a great presentation. So I, I was in a kind of they, they kind of grouped them together by theme. And I was in like a queer and feminist block uh, yeah. of four of us. And there was a re- there was a cool project from a woman who uh, is working with a group in Brighton that are a sober, accessible, silent, queer disco. And it just looks like it's, it, it was, it's just like the project itself is so amazing. And it's just such a cool group. It's such a cool like collective of people in Brighton. And then there was another girl who was um, presenting work on uh, what, what do you call it? The genre that um, that Peaches is. Electro Clash. Electroclash and Electroclash as one of the few genres of electronic dance music where women are, where it's primarily women, both as musicians and as producers. So she was actually an undergrad, but like, I I was like, wow, this is, uh," but it was amazing because at the end of that uh, presentation, one of the other women in the audience put her hand up and she was like, oh, I'm really good friends with Peaches. I can text her and ask her. if she can talk to you for your project and the girl <laughs> and the, like at the podium nearly fainted she was like you're friends with peaches it was just amazing <laughs> it was such a cool conference uh the conference is dance cult if there's any academics out there who are interested in um they they also published a journal which is really really great peer-reviewed journal there's some i i i think it's open access it might be open access if anyone wants to read any of the any of the work in there 
it was just great. But then, obviously, coming home during Storm Babette on, you know, one of those tiny, you know, when you fly to like yeah. somewhere like Manchester and you're on one of those, like, it's not an Aer Lingus plane, but it's like a little tiny oh, yeah. propeller like, thing. Propeller ones, it's fine home in that. Like, <laughs> it was really scary. It was very, very, very scary. Like, got home, you know, something like five hours after I was expected to get home because of delays. There was delays in the trains. And, oh, it was very, very stressful. But a really good first conference experience because I was really, really nervous. I had it in my head that, like, I'd stand up and, like, present you know, my research such as it is so far, you know, only, only a year in and that somebody would be like, who do you think you are? <laughs> to stand here, like, just that, like, like I, I hadn't had that sense of like severe imposter syndrome in yeah. such a long time. And I was like, okay. they're all going to know that I'm not real, that I'm not a real PhD student. <laughs> I'm not supposed I mean? to be here. I'm sorry. I know, yeah. Like, this is actually I'm sorry, don't tell only. anyone. I know, I know. And then I got up and I did my presentation and it went great. And I got really nice questions. And people told me afterwards that, like, because obviously it was in the UK, but there was, like, basically myself and my supervisor were the two people from Ireland who were yeah. presenting. There's people from like India. There was people from from pre- presenting work from like Brazil, from all over. And so they don't know about Dublin. So like my supervisor, okay. she, she was presenting on kind of the gentrification of Dublin City and the loss of like spaces to dance and stuff. And that was really great. And then I was presenting on the the, the feminist collectives. And so you really so, gave a full account of uh, it was like, yeah, it was a, it was a nice one two punch. And it was like lo- loads of people were saying to us afterwards, like we'd no idea. Like we we have this idea of Dublin as like this, you know, like especially in the past 10 years, like this very like liberal sort of utopia. And it's obviously Ireland has this like um this image as being like really about the arts and stuff and so many people were so surprised to hear about all the closures and all of the you know how hard it actually is to be a musician in Ireland and to gig and to I mean we didn't even get into like you know getting people to come here to gig um yeah but just kind of the people on the ground so so yeah it was it was really interesting really fun can't wait to do my next one um great yeah, yeah, it was good. So that's an, why was I wasn't there, here last week. That's a good excuse. That's a great excuse. Yeah. Was there a after party for the there uh, was, conference? There was. I didn't go to it because I was flying home. But I wouldn't have expected you to go to it anyway. But I know, yeah. <laughs> I was like, there has to be an after party for this, <laughs> yeah. this one. Yeah, there, there was. Be. They had like four or five DJs. So they basically got everyone on a bus to Sheffield. And I'm not sure w- what the place was that they went to, but like they had like DJs like lined up. Some people were presenting okay. that day. We're going to DJ that night and stuff. So yeah, really cool. like just the chillest group of academics I've ever come across in my life are in the electronic dance music space. Like the, yeah. like there was this one woman presenting her research on um, illegal raves during the COVID lockdowns in in Wales and kind of the West Country. And it was specifically like acid house raves and she was just so chill. She was just such like, she was like showing videos from the raves and she had a great picture of um, a sign like near one of these locations that said illegal raves are now illegal, (laughs) which I thought was so funny (laughs) because it was like, yeah, you can't, you can't do your illegal raves anymore guys because of COVID. And it's like, well, we couldn't really do them before either. So, (laughs) but um. 
but yeah, it was great. It was really, really good. Um, great. You should you should write a paper and go there and tell them <laughs> tell them things. Nice. I'm looking at it here. It looks good. It looks good. Yeah. Uh, great uh, that is great and also you know kind of ties in what we're talking about there like the mm, yeah um, Dublin City nighttime economy advisor application is currently open for the city yes. uh, until November 2nd so the person to be the night mayor which we don't the nightmare yeah I want to be the nightmare just in time <laughs> for Halloween um, tell me what what is what's who's the kind of person going for that job like what's their experience because i don't really I don't understand know. what it is i mean they're looking for well it's somebody who definitely needs to be um has events management experience dance music experience electronic music experience live music experience and um, bar and bar and club experience for sure they need to be somebody who also has it's actually quite a lot really because they have to be mm. somebody who's uh, averse in maybe getting uh, dealing with people in positions of power in terms of grants and uh, councils and politicians mm. so you do seem to be given a bit of a rundown of your own CV there now I don't think so I don't think so no chance I don't think, I, I don't think throw I your hat in the it. ring now no I don't think well I whoever do it. it is I wish them the best because I think it's going to be a difficult job I it's mean, obviously, you know, problems, most people but... are like, people like Robbie Kish, who's been on this podcast before yeah. from Give Us The Night, are probably in a position whether they want to or not. Yeah. Maybe they're too close to it. Uh, you could potentially have somebody else in, in the middle. Yeah, you kind of have to sit in the Venn diagram of of uh, dance music and electronic music culture, um, mm. local <laughs> um, council uh, people and... Um, yeah. People who have good relations with the Gardaí, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's a like, small sliver of It people. is, yeah. It is you know, a sliver. Yeah, so if, they get, if they get 50 applications, I'd be surprised, you know. Yeah, um, they won't. But um, yeah. there is a panel of people apparently put together for all this. So, interesting to see what happens. That'll probably be later next year. But mm. yeah, as an example, you were saying there, you know, like presenting to people about, you know, the... Uh, how increasingly difficult it is to put on the squeeze that it is on independent artists mm. and and people who in that sphere. So that's that's the main topic of discussion today, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, we're going to talk about Bandcamp, about what's going on. I'm sure a lot of people listening have been following the story, but I guess we just wanted to give it like space on the podcast to actually talk about it because like we in in roundabout ways we we've talked about Bandcamp a lot here you know we talked about the Bandcamp Fridays and what a what an important and kind of positive thing that was during COVID-19 where Bandcamp would you know forego their their cut of you know fees from any transactions on the site for anybody who who buys music in order to support artists and it really is like one of the last one of the very 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 few ways um beyond going directly to an artist's website and not all artists have those to buy music to own it to actually own the music and not be at risk of it leaving a streaming service and to directly support artists through things like merch and um physical copies of of, of sales and you know not having to go through um you know big you know, chain like HMVs or golden discs or, or or whatever it might be. So yeah, so we're going to talk about the the Bandcamp acquisition and it's sad, but we're we're going to discuss it and uh, maybe discuss a little bit what we think it means or could mean for 
yeah. the future. <laughs> I mean, I guess you're right. Music. Like we've we've never really discussed Bandcamp directly because it is kind of the backbone of a lot of things that happen in the, you know, uh, in the sphere. Certainly, in independent music, in. yeah, yeah. I'm always like recommending, um, you know, music on it. Um, it's it's just because of Bandcamp Friday and stuff like that became a leading light in terms of um, when artists. I mean, we were lucky in this country because we had the pandemic unemployment payment we were able to access. But for people who were literally left without any revenue, yeah. the Bandcamp um, sales and revenue that the people were able to generate for their own music, especially during that time, was uh, literally a, a, a godsend. It was a lifesaver yeah. for them. I'll, so, I'll never forget seeing. Um... I think it was like the first Bandcamp Friday and Maya Sophia tweeted a thank you to everybody who bought things in her Bandcamp store because now she was able to pay rent that month. Like, like it really, it does come down to that level of like, like artists aren't making money and we'll get into this, you know, artists aren't making money even if they have millions of streams on Spotify or on another streaming service. They're not making money unless you give them money. So you know, the acquisition by Song Trader is just, it's, you know, I was saying before we start recording, it's like, it's, it's another like death knell in independent music and in, you know, the feasibility of musicians being able to make a livelihood for themselves out of, out yeah. of just music, you know, and not have to also work full time in tech or whatever it might be. So, so yeah, I, I was, I was going to start with kind of like, just talking about who the key players are, I guess, like who is Bandcamp, who is SongTrader, why is this acquisition such a big deal? So for anyone who's like not familiar with Bandcamp, and there are people who don't use Bandcamp at all, it's a, like we said, it's a direct consumer marketplace for musicians to sell their music. You can buy MP3s, you can buy like, I think you can get like flax on there, you can get like really high quality um, yeah. downloads they give you different options yeah 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 and the, and the price will depend on that you can buy like physical copies of music like lps and cds and cassettes and you can buy merch and it's also like kind of a platform for musicians to update their fans on goings on um on what they might be doing you'd get a lot of like Bandcamp exclusive uh, oh God, I nearly said the word content there. Uh, Bandcamp exclusive um, albums. Like there was a Father John Misty album that he put out, um, a live album that was only available to buy through Bandcamp. And that's that's like relatively common in kind of um, indie music spaces. And so, yeah, Bandcamp basically for, for every purchase that's made between you and them, they take 15% of each sale, which is nothing compared to what the cut is from Spotify and for one day a month on Bandcamp Fridays um, they forego the cut and give 100% of profits to uh, the artists on that day and there's also this other side of Bandcamp as well Bandcamp Daily which is uh, an editorial platform a lot of people writing for that a lot of people writing really really interesting niche stuff that just would not get would not get published would not get commissioned at in any kind of more mainstream kind of music site. Yeah. So it's it, it's a bit of a bridge between like, you know, music blogs and sub stacks and things that you might. Um, yeah, I would say like the more Bandcamp Daily things. stuff kind of filled the blanks where um, Red Bull Music Academy used to be, as in like Definitely. fostering an ethos of celebrating underground and independent, yeah. um, independent driven um, music uh, coverage. Yeah. 
and and not just in the west either like they they cover they cover music from all around the world and they cover a lot of kind of like fusions and they ask questions about like why like they they've really really excellent writers on there like writing about like why a certain style of music emerged at a certain time in a certain place and like what was what was like the melting pot of culture that was happening around that time and that's all really really important you know uh context to have around around the music that we listen to and it also spotlights a lot of independent music as well so uh, it's a great writers great editorial team working there as well and then you know from a consumer's point of view it's a purchasing platform but it's also a listening platform so you can have the app on your phone you can listen to music through that app and you can listen to it on, on your desktop as well and people there are people who have like entire library like their entire library of music on Bandcamp um I'm not one of those people um but I have like the music I a lot of the music that I have on Bandcamp is music that isn't available elsewhere so I have like you know, the, the early, early Carsey Headrest albums aren't available for streaming, but they are up on Bandcamp and you can buy them for like a dollar on Bandcamp. So I have them on there. And if I want to listen to them, that's the platform that I listen to them through. So it was founded in 2007, had its headquarters in California. And in March 2022, it was acquired by Epic Games, uh, who are the you know, company, the game design company uh, behind Fortnite. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, they, uh, I, I, so this might mean something to other people. It doesn't mean anything to me, but I'll read it out. Uh, they also developed Unreal Engine, a commercially available game engine, which also powers their internally developed video games like Fortnite and the Unreal, Gears of War and Infinity Blade series. In 2014, Unreal Engine was named the most successful video game engine by Guinness World Records. And like I said, none of that means anything to me, except I'm looking at it and I'm saying, okay, this is an extremely profitable company. I, I've never played Fortnite, but I know Fortnite and I know that it is, um, that it is absolutely massive yeah. and it's a license to print money. So that acquisition happened. And then kind of, you know, there's, there, there, there was stirrings, but it wasn't until September this year that things started to really, really look bad for Bandcamp and for the staff when Epic Games sold Bandcamp to SongTrader. SongTrader is basically, it's an American B2B music platform, so business-to-business music platform, that claims to facilitate brands, content creators, and digital platforms in their use of music for licensing purchase, uh, purposes. As of 2019, SongTrader was the largest music licensing platform in the world. That's from their wiki. The platform offers products that can assist agencies, artists, and labels in, fi- in the finding, licensing, and managing of music across various formats. So basically, it allows musicians and publishers to upload music, which can then be licensed by commercial entities like brands or like advertisements or for film or for television that kind of thing it's valued at over 300 million dollars and in march of this year it acquired a british competitor called seven digital for 23.4 million and they have like i was looking at what they've been up to even in the past like four or five years like so since 2019 they've been on an absolute 
like spending spree. So it's not just Bandcamp that they've acquired. They they're buying up music platforms basically. Um, so Q Songs, which is founded by Peter Gabriel, Song Zoo, which is a sound design company, Pretzel, mm-hmm. which is a music streaming platform, music metadata company, Music Cube, and this year the company that bought Song Trader, Epic Games, um, sold Bandcamp. Um, after only owning them for like 18 months and that was for an undisclosed amount of money so it does seem like song trader are you know really 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 trying to own the market when it comes to not just you know licensing you know like staying in the in the licensing side of things but acquiring Bandcamp um kind of seems like it's it was a big move it was a it was a move into the space mm. of indie indie musicians um a first song trader said they would quote continue to operate Bandcamp as a marketplace and music community with an artist's first revenue share they promised a lot to musicians during that acquisition they said sorry epic games when when they bought them they said it would bring Bandcamp artists to a wider audience through things like fortnite radio and 231 million people play Fortnite every month was the was the stat I saw online so you know it's a big that's a big promise from Pitchfork asked whether artist revenue shares user experience or the editorial platform Bandcamp Daily will be affected by the acquisition song trader declined to comment so while all this is going on earlier this year Bandcamp staff all unionized And they have a few statements. They said, we began working here as an extension of our own love for independent music and believe that as a site that purports to offer an ethical and fair alternative to the streaming economy should reflect its mission internally. Many are ourselves independent artists, label owners and promoters, and all of us are fans who are involved in our own local music communities. We began working here as an extension of our own love for independent music and so on. I read that bit already. So... Once the acquisition happened, they put out a statement. They said, on Thursday, Epic Games announced that Song Trader is acquiring Bandcamp. Thanks everyone for your support and solidarity as we go through this transition. We're still preparing for our scheduled negotiations on October 2nd and October 3rd with Epic Games and have submitted a formal request to management for more information about the sale. Bandcamp United, which is the name of their um, union, is looking forward to bargaining with Song Trader in the near future regarding wages, working conditions, and benefits. It is our hope that Song Trader honors our existing progress, including union, union security and preserving our artist's first mission in our collective bargaining agreement that we've already made at the bargaining table. Stay tuned. That was, you know, that's all well and good. But when the acquisition went through, it turned out that only half of the people working at Bandcamp were offered new roles under song trader because song trader wanted to cut costs so it basically meant a layoff of 50 percent of the staff song trader said about that over the past few years the operating costs of Bandcamp have significantly increased after a comprehensive evaluation including the importance of roles for smooth business operations and pre-existing functions at song trader 50 percent of Bandcamp employees have accepted offers to join song trader so this was like this is probably the big story that everyone saw after the acquisition um yeah. this was when people were kind of saying like look we told you so and a lot of bank camp 
staff were were saying, I told you so. There's a there's someone here who works for Bandcamp. I officially laid off after two weeks of limbo where I expected that would be the case, but had no confirmation. Nearly eight years of Bandcamp and it's over. If anyone's looking for a dedicated, talented and professional editor and culture writer, I'm on the market. Oh, well, they said they're looking for work. So it's at Modernist Witch. About half the company was laid off today. Some of the most incredible people I've ever worked with and some of the most incredible support staff. This is a loss, no two ways about it. And I think that day Bandcamp trended on Twitter and a lot of people were kind of sitting up and paying attention to this acquisition. So, yeah. And Pitchfork wrote a, a, a long read about it as well, which is very good. I think it's called Is Bandcamp As We Know It Over? Yeah, Philip Sherborne wrote that yeah. piece for sure. So from that piece, um, he says... A departing software in- engineer tells me that cuts were spread out fairly evenly across all departments, except for customer support and editorial, which were hit harder. This former employee estimates that only three support specialists were retained. A current employee tells me that the editorial department kept three editors and a designer, and that Bandcamp Daily, the site's robust music publication, will continue on. Bandcamp's former executives, meanwhile, quote, all vanished on September 28th, and no one has heard from them since, says the ex-employee. So it really does seem like this is not a smooth acquisition. And you have to think how much less smooth it would have been had the staff not been unionized as well. You know, like being in a union can can mean a lot when you're when you're about to bring somebody to a negotiation yeah. table, even if they have like and they have treated the bank camp employees very poorly uh, in this. But it still means something to be part of a union. Um, Join, join your union, everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, it does seem like, you know, to based on the numbers and they were unfairly um, targeted as well, the, mm-hmm. the union. So, I mean, that's something we see a lot in terms of uh, the Bandcamp union has been very, um, very visible in the last couple yeah. of years. And the story of that has been very visible. Yeah. And, and they're, they're, they're part of this swell um, of like kind of tech unionizing in of tech workers and of you know we we've seen it happen in Amazon we've seen it happen in in other tech companies we've seen it happen in in some gaming companies as well and it and it and it it, it is part of this kind of like industry wide tech unionization which is really really important because if you don't have that you know we were talking earlier about like people power if you don't have that um then you know something like what happened with Twitter could happen, you know, when Musk took took over Twitter and just, you know, all hell broke loose. Nobody knew if they had jobs. The only way they found out if they had jobs is whether or not their login worked on their laptop that morning, you know? So it's... Yeah. Um, Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a scary thing. And like, it's, it's worth reiterating that like, as of May 2022, which is the most recent stats I could find, Spotify, Spotify pays artists between um, 0.003 cents, like American cents, to 0.005 cents per stream on average, um, which is a, around about $4,000 for every million streams, which is nothing because labels also need to take cuts from that. Like your promoter or your manager, or your PR or any other stakeholders in your music, that's the cut that they're taking and so it really has like long been the case and like we've said it here ev- anybody who is at all involved in like indie music scenes or their local their local music scene is, is that like the best way to do it is is support artists directly and with this happening now it is so much harder to do that. It's it's kind of it's nearly impossible and, and, uh, unless an artist has a website set up and sells music out of their house. But like that's so much. That's a full time job, you know. That's not. Yeah. It's that's not. It's it's really 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 difficult to to maintain that, um, and and as well when 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 you bought from Bandcamp, you knew that fifteen percent was being taken out from the artist, but it was going to. A, a a platform or a marketplace that really did seem to care about independent musicians and paid their editorial teams. Like I've I've never written for Bandcamp, but I have I have some friends who who have and like they they pay at, at least freelancers like they pay pretty well. Yeah. Like compared to no no one gets paid like enough in music journalism by any means, but they pay pretty well. They pay like you know above yeah. the market rate, um, and so. You know, it's 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 so unclear what's going to happen now. Like, will the editorial um, side of Bandcamp remain? I I highly doubt it because I don't imagine it is a big driver of revenue for the company. Will Bandcamp Fridays remain? I I would put my money on almost certainly not because why on earth would you sacrifice fifteen percent of your profits for one day a month? Um, if you are yeah, if company, if you're saying that your company isn't operational. Uh, yeah, isn't currently operating, and you're firing people. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. And, the, the benefit and of that to to you as a, I mean, it's down to you know. Oh well, these people are you know we haven't we have people we have to look after first before we can think about the artists. And again, the artist comes last. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's what's so um, you know, I think we all all of us outside of the business world, we learned a lot watching Succession. And I think that one of the big things we learned watching Succession was like actually why companies make the decisions that they do and what decisions you're allowed to make as a company. And if if Song Trader wanted to continue running a, you know, an, a, a non-profitable uh, editorial uh, section on their website, or if they wanted to continue foregoing 15% of their profits, then they have to explain to their shareholders why why that is the case. And the shareholders wouldn't accept that. And, you know, and then succession happens. <laughs> but 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 really what it is is, you know, we we have to really question like, does what 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 role it does a company who answers to shareholders 
playing in any kind of independent music space. Like it just doesn't seem reasonable to it. It, it seems like it's like it's it, it's in direct contradiction with yeah. what the with what the platform actually is there for because there's tons of music platforms online you know we've got loads of them and the most profitable yeah. thing for 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 um for for this company to do now would be to turn Bandcamp into a streaming service because you know look at look at how uh Look at how streaming, look at how profitable streaming service models are, you know? So it's just really I mean, worrying. that comes with its like, own, I have a lot of thoughts on that. I mean, that one comes with its own issues as well, because mm. the streaming model uh, brings in licensing and obviously SongTrader being a licensing company, they mm-hmm. could possibly look at that, but their licensing is like exploitation as opposed to um, uh, revenue generating for other um, for other artists and re- generating income for other artists, which is what yeah. Bandcamp do. So they thought they might be able to adapt Bandcamp into their vibe, which is, you know, they license music directly. And that's a yeah. different thing than, you know, it's like you said, it's a it's a B2B business. It services mm. brands and agencies. Again, something which is, um, you know, primarily not always independently driven because mm-hmm. usually brands and uh, and uh Brands want big acts and they want to license music from big acts. And that's usually what happens for a lot of mm. people, even if they don't have the money for that. That's what they will try and do. Mm. And I think that is interesting to think about because um, there's been a number of other things this week that have happened, uh, which I'm going to talk about. But before we get that, I just want to say we have covered before both on the website um, and uh, here as well. Some of the different um platforms uh, that you can use and stuff like that and and just yeah. to briefly mention what we're talking about here we've talked about there's a great piece that joel harkin the musician joel harkin did for us once uh, about a year and a half two years ago when spotify was uh yeah february 2022 the alternatives to spotify we did a podcast about it and he wrote about to us and went into depth on the services on offer one of the ones he mentions is resonate.is and Resonate is a streaming music service cooperative owned by the people that use it. Musicians, indie labels, fans and developers stream it until you own it. So that's a, it's its own particular model that works. Uh, is that the one that where way. if you, if you stream it enough times, um, you to, will own it. to get the revenue, yeah. then you own the music. I think that's such yeah. a great idea for a model. And does yeah. that have like, what's the deal? Sorry, I don't know if you've looked into this today or not, but like, what what's the deal with like artists on there? Like, are are your faves on there? Or I mean, I mean, this is the problem with all of these. It's it's not as you, you, I think we kind of have to think about these things less as streaming and all all size fits all size uh, oh, one size one size fits, fits all, all yeah. um, streaming service as opposed to like a, a, think about your traditional mom and pop stores, your mm. little independent shops where you can go. Oh, they have this. I really like that. I'll go check out what else they have. Um, I've gotcha. seen like web stores like uh, bleep.com and boomcat which are really you know for very particular uh, audiences in experimental and electronic music being used as fine examples of this which they essentially are a web store for people who want to own music because DJs uh, electronic musicians and producers often still want to buy music and that's where bandcamp also comes in because a lot of the stuff I bought on bandcamp was um, you know music edits stuff that isn't Probably fully 
legal sometimes and that mm. is something that is allowed to exist on it uh, other alternatives or if you're are, a DJ or something and you just want to own like well that's it MP3s that's what I use it for and, mostly yeah you know and, and a lot of people make their, their living out of that as well and you can yeah. subscribe and Bandcamp did a really good job in terms of you know offering subscriptions and buying so you could buy full discographies and you kind of had this like almost patreon style model where you are using uh, Bandcamp as a subscription service where you can offer that as a subscription there's other ones including uh, Faircamp, which is a static site generator for audio producers does all the kind of hard donkey work for you and allow you to sell and, and host uh, music there's uh, nina um, which is a music platform and a streaming and per- for a new platform for publishing and streaming and purchasing music. Nina charges artists a small fee per upload that covers the permanent storage of their work. Their releases are made exclusive to the public for streaming and purchase as tokenized assets with quantities and, and prices set by the artists. Nina pays artists 100% of primary sales and a percentage secondary market sales of their choice. Obviously, we can talk about this in the context of NFTs and why do NFTs exist? Why did people get mad into crypto? Because the rising cost of, of living, sure, it affects everybody. And that's why people get into crypto because they're like, I want to make money. I want the traditional models are failing us, of capitalism are failing us. Um, yeah. And that's why a lot of musicians actually in the last couple of years have got into crypto as well. Like they might not want to talk about it uh, openly, but I know a fair few musicians who have got into uh, that world in order to try and, whether it's try and make a quick book or make some money, yeah. that's why they're doing it because music has uh, completely devalued over the years. And and now we're at a point where peep, this it's is like, okay. free. It's like, yeah, it's, like the it's like whatever album you want to listen to, you can just find it for free. And I don't think that that's, it obviously has like a, a very kind of like liberating quality for people who don't have, like everybody deserves to be able to listen to music and be able to access music. I I, I really, really believe that. But there has to be something you can do, you know? Yeah. And there are a number of other open source uh, audio platforms currently in development, the one called Mirlo and one called Tone.audio. Um, if you are interested in the alternative models of uh, music and uh, creation, I can recommend the Interdependence uh, podcast with Holly Herndon and Matt Dryden, uh, always keeping an eye on what's going on in the new world of AI and um, music technology. Interdependence is what it's called. And they do Patreon-only episodes as well, like ourselves, um, where they interview people and uh, post the long-form versions on, on their account. Yeah, so all of that to say, there are people who are developing alternative models, but the reason that those models exist is because what happens is all of these things get bought up. So there's been a yeah. couple of recent examples. Just this week, NTS Radio, uh, it was announced that NTS Radio was part, which, um, it, which is, you know, an online radio station media platform based in London. Very cool. Again, quite underground. But it was bought by Universal Music Group in the last week. And that mm-hmm. is, for a lot of people who would be people in that world, would be quite alarmed that this independent radio step is, station is being bought by Universal Music. Why? Mm-hmm. So that is something that just came out recently. If you want to stay in touch and, and see more writing on this as it's happening, I would recommend firstfloor.substack.com, which is Sean Ronaldo's. Uh, Substack covering a lot of this kind of stuff in terms of electronic music, certainly where I've seen a lot of this stuff, uh, NTS Radio, partially owned by Universal Music Group. Um, 
And this is a cause for alarm for a lot of people because why is a big major label, the biggest major label in the mm-hmm. world, buying up um, things like uh, NTS Radio, where it yeah. doesn't have any obvious way in? Um, I mean, anyone, there's an email there from people who uh, support NTS Radio and they were saying, um, you know, they have been assured, people have been assured that nothing will change, but that's what they say about all these things. That's what happens. What happens is the people that come in own this as an asset and not as a community. And the community disappears because people are get threatened and frightened about where this is going. And that's why this band camp stuff is important for people like us and for people, and the musicians who listen to this podcast and the, mm-hmm. and the people who are fans who listen to this podcast, because they, it is another chip away at the old independent music block. Um, here's yeah. another one. It just came out in the last hour. Spotify reportedly plans to pay even less in royalties to less popular artists. Now this is pretty alarming because <laughs> the whole thing here is again, Universal is involved here because I'll read out the first bit here. This is from a Stereogum article that just came out about an hour and a half ago, two hours. Uh, Spotify, already notorious for its insultingly low royalty rates, is reportedly planning to pay even less to artists who don't already get a ton of streams. Billboard reports that the giant Swedish streaming service is restructuring its royalty system and that it will then demonetize tracks that had previously received 0.5 of Spotify's royalty pool. Now, if you remember, you we talked about user-centric yeah. uh, payment systems and stuff on this podcast before. That is what this is about because uh, that is not how this works. User-centric payment systems are, they are uh, user-driven. It depends on what you listen to for how uh, that music is divided up. With a uh, a model like Spotify, what essentially happens is all the music goes into a pool and it's it's divided up into a percentage, and meaning that whoever streams the most that month. So your money directly to, that you pay listening. If you only listen to what did we say before, say who's got an album out this Neve, week, Neve, you, or say say you only listen to Neve Regan and she's the only person on Spotify you listen to. That doesn't yeah. mean that she's she get, getting, like get, if, if, yeah. if, if you listen to her for a million times, that doesn't mean that she's getting $4,000. That means that all, all of the money from those streams goes into a pot and then that pot is then divvied out. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, and, it, and yeah. It's, that's outrageous. Like it's, it's and there a- are questions. I covered something recently about this. There, there was a study done by somebody who was involved in uh, previously worked for Spotify, um, and whether the user centric payments were actually better or worse. And that concluded that actually it was worse. It could potentially be worse for people. Yeah. Um, so look, there's conflicting ideas about this, but the point is. Uh, Spotify is the big market, has the big market share. Yeah. What this essentially means that is that demonetizing tracks that previously received 0.5% of ro- ro- Spotify's royalty bill, that's most independent artists. Yeah. That is not good news because that means someone who's trying to build their small little career, who's only getting a very small fraction of pennies, will just get nothing now at all. Yeah. So, now the gates have gone up even further and higher and yeah. you can't climb over that gate unless you've got 100,000 people or, or 10,000, 100,000 people listening to your songs or something like that. I don't know what or the, the actual... Or the backing of a major label. Which, or the backing of a major and, label and to e- get you e- over that. Even the that as a model is, of this you know, gate. And this, this really shows that major labels, like 
being so complicit in this model and be, and like really centering themselves in in this model because they are not you know innocent they're they're not um like this is a deal between spotify and labels remember um it really shows that they they are grasping on with everything they have for their power in the music business in in like in the record industry because it really looked for a while there in in the 2000s like they were they were gone um and this is their way of getting back in and i've no problems with the existence of record labels like don't get me wrong but it's it's this kind of like squashing down like independent artists smaller labels as well it's like that thing where do you do you, do you know that when amazon sells a book they routinely sell it at a loss uh they amazon don't make money from the books that they sell because the market share that they will gain from independent yeah. bookshops and smaller bookshops closing down is so much more valuable to them than the money they'll make on an on an individual book so like it's that kind of like do not like like i what whatever about buying you know a part for your laptop or whatever but do not buy books from amazon everybody out there it's really 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 bad but it but it really reminds me of that you know it reminds me of that sort of like callous profit driven attitude towards art or literature that is so cold and and not not only does it kind of dehumanize the people at the center of it it actually puts the entire system at risk of of only privileging people who have you know record deals and we know as well that only certain types of people are able to get record deals in the first place and there are certain people who are privileged in in uh gaining a record deal and it's just really really sad and it's maddening that you know obviously everything comes back to this system that we live in i don't want to say the c word but like it does come back to that but but once once you start buying up Bandcamp, once you start really driving down like any chance an independent artist has to to make it not not even big, but just make it enough so that they have like a fan base that is enough to support them so mm. that they don't have to also work a full time job. Like there's also a cost of living crisis going on. Like it's like these are all very, very, very real things that affect artists and affect musicians today. Um and we've just lost another way that we have to try to directly support them as fans. So it's really, really sad. Well, Bandcamp isn't gone yet. I mean, it's not gone yet. I, you know, these things don't go immediately, but they do yeah. dissipate uh, quickly. Not with a bang, um, with a whimper. Yeah. So, I mean, I felt like if anything, it needs a bit more. Bandcamp just needs a bit more work. Uh, you're only able to listen to the offline stuff that you'd bought uh very recently on the app so mm. i'm just quite excited about it like cool I, like i haven't probably done it an awful lot because you know but it is nice and you have you have the stuff that you bought on your phone mm. that you can listen to but uh not that hard to imagine really but uh but yeah certainly not in something that is um it was only february last february this year the band can be used can now make playlists on the app as well so yeah just one of those things you know um yeah but yeah, there's it's been only good news on that front, but now we are going the other way. So um certainly yeah. not great for us. I should have thought of a reason to be cheerful for us to wrap up on. Do you have a reason uh, to be cheerful now? Uh reason to be cheerful is it's a bank oh. holiday weekend and I <laughs> uh, my reason to be cheerful is that we're doing a sort of quasi live podcast in the big romance next month. 
and people can buy tickets. And uh, well, no, they can't because it's sold out. Did it sell out? Okay. Well, there is our reason to be cheerful. Oh, that's great news. Yay. There you go. Yeah. Woo. We'll see you right. there. Unless Fortet you get a listening ticket. party. Yeah, uh, unless the Fortet. Eight. If you didn't get a ticket, don't cry. There'll be another one the next month. And we'll tell you yeah. about that closer to the time. But that's great news. Yeah, there you go. Yay. There you go. So that's kind of it for us this week. Um, yeah. As the days have turned darker and obviously the world has got a bit darker as well in the last few weeks for obvious reasons in with uh, Palestine and uh, they just, things just keep getting weirder and darker. So that's, yeah. we, we may have to bring back the reasons to be cheerful, but that I, is I, I, I think it one. would be a good idea. Yeah. 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 From next week on, we'll do reasons to be cheerful. So next week we're back with our songs and albums and books and TV and so on of the month. I won't put you through Big Brother chat too much. Oh no! Then I used to love Big Brother, but you I know, can tell me about it next week. I'll tell you all about it next week. But if anyone wants my my deep uh, thoughts on Big Brother, I'm recording an episode of Juvenalia with Sarah, who is also similarly like completely brain rotted with this season of Big Brother, and just like you oh, know, you guys. Um, we're recording that on Thursday, so I'm not sure when that'll be out, but keep an eye. Uh, in your feeds for that um, and yeah stay cool don't key stay any cool. cars <laughs> well I hope you enjoyed my story anyway I loved it our, I loved it I'm glad you shared it with the listeners yeah I mean it's just been in my it's in my it's been in my rear view of my head for the last while you know I don't blame you um, and I'm so, glad you're getting closure slowly yeah, exactly like a door slowly closing exactly speaking of a door well, so, slowly closing uh, whatever you're doing this weekend, I hope you have a good one. Patreon.com forward slash nine or nine if you do want to support us directly. Um, and uh, as ever, there's playlists and discords. And uh, I gave away some tickets to the streets last week as well. And, um, you know, there's a Discord Fantasy League. There was a meetup at Lumo last weekend. Lovely stuff. Really Not nice. Yeah. And there's loads of gigs on this weekend. Uh, consult the Another Nine Dublin Gig Guide if you're interested in seeing what's on. Uh, Alternating Current was one oh, yeah, thing we talked too, about yeah. briefly that is on this weekend. And then the following weekend, Haunted Dance Hall is on in National Concert Hall as well. So that'd be really, really interesting. So lots on to go and see, even though the best way you can support an artist is go see them live and buy their For record sure. from them directly if you can yeah. do so put your money in their paw and i want to just shout out briefly the uh, irish album release dates page that i created recently uh, on the website it's in the new music section basically look it's a list of all of the new albums that are coming out and coming up very soon and uh it's updated very regularly at the moment yeah. we had a big week for uh, albums last week and I'm sure there's some stuff that was released from Irish albums Irish artists that we will be discussing very soon it's aka very, next week it's very but until possible. then it's myself and Andrea Cleary saying signing off goodbye <laughs> goodbye bye
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.